The stories in this book have been told and retold, cherished and revered by literally billions of people over thousands of years. People have devoted their entire lives to studying this book. There are hundreds of thousands of commentaries on it. And many people believe that this book had to have been written by God. The Torah, what's so special about it? Why is it so mesmerizing? And how has it managed to capture the human imagination for millennia? I'm David Kasher, a rabbi at Ikar in Los Angeles, and together we're going to study the weekly Torah portion of the Parsha and figure out why the Torah really is the best book ever. Okay, we are 12 episodes in here, and we're already coming to the end of the book of Genesis. Next week, we'll move from one epic tale to another as we head into the book of Exodus. And so, as we prepare to meet Moses and Miriam, we'll have to say goodbye to some of the legendary characters we've been following now for a while. Characters like Jacob and Joseph, both of whom die in this week's Parsha. Indeed, the last haunting line of the book of Genesis is, Vayamat Yosef ben Mea va'eser shanim. And Joseph died at the age of 110. Vayachantu oto, vayisem ba'aron b'mitzrayim. And they embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. And yet, even as the book of Genesis ends with those words of death, it seems as if some of the dead are still hanging around. Jacob, for one, never actually died. Oh, they may have wept over his body for 70 days. They may have carried him back to the land of Canaan and buried him. But make no mistake, he's alive. That, anyway, is the startling interpretation that the great commentator Rashi gives to the following line, which certainly seems to report Jacob's death. Vayachal Yaakov litzavot et banav, when Jacob finished his instructions to his son, glav el hamita, he drew his feet into the bed, and, breathing his last, he was gathered unto his people. So there he is on his deathbed. He's offered his final blessings. He takes a last breath. And that's it. He's gone, isn't he? Well, not so fast. Rashi notices that there's some unusual language in the verse. Here's Rashi. It says, he breathed his last and was gathered, but it never mentions death. Umita lo nemrapo. And so our rabbi said that our father Jacob did not die. Did not die? What in the world does that mean? I mean, it's certainly clear that everyone around him at least thought he was dead. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 says, Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. And we know he was embalmed and buried. So what are we talking about here? Is this some kind of ghost or zombie? Was there a resurrection? Either way, it doesn't seem like a very Jewish story. We don't believe in the undead, do we? But then again, there's another person mentioned in our Parsha who seems to come back from the dead, again thanks to Rashi. Earlier on, 
Jacob was telling Joseph about how Joseph's mother, Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, died on the way back to the land of Canaan. And he says, and I buried her there on the road to Ephrat. Rashi jumps in again, this time imagining how hard this must have been for Joseph to hear that his mother was just left on the side of the road and how Jacob might have justified it to him. Rashi, speaking as Jacob, says, I didn't even bring her into Bethlehem, into the land, and I know that you hold it in your heart against me, but know that this burial was done at God's word so that she could be a help to her children, when Nebuzaradan one day exiles them and they pass the road there, Rachel will come forth from her grave and cry and beg mercy for them. As it says in Jeremiah, Kol baramanishma, a voice will be heard on high. And then God will answer her, There is reward for your actions, says the Eternal, and the wayward children will return into their borders. Rachel was buried, yes, but one day she will rise from the grave, for she has a mission to pray for her children in exile. When they pass by, they'll hear a voice, and it'll be a comfort to them. So now we have the ghost of Rachel, along with zombie Jacob, two lost lovers still wandering the earth. But at least we know how and why Rachel comes back from the dead. What about Jacob? That was a bit of a mystery. What does it mean to say that he never dies? And what exactly is he up to? To answer that, we have to go back to the place in the Talmud that Rashi was quoting from to begin with, to a conversation between two rabbis in Tractate Tanit. And even there, when one of them introduces the idea that Jacob never died, the other one is totally shocked. Okay, listen to this. Rabbi Yitzchak said, it was taught our father Jacob never died. Yaakov Avinu Lomait. Rav Nachman argued, but was it for nothing that he was eulogized and embalmed and buried? We had that question also. And Rabbi Yitzchak replies, I make this assertion from the following passage in Jeremiah chapter 30. Do not fear my servant Jacob, says the Eternal, and be not dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from afar and your seed from the land of captivity. And Jacob shall return and be at rest and be secure with none to terrify him. And Jacob is compared to his children. As they are still living, so is he also. Mazaro b'chayim, afhu b'chayim. Rev Nachman was just as puzzled as we were. Jacob never died? Are you kidding? They mourned him. He was embalmed. Of course he died. But Rabbi Yitzchak's reply makes it clear that it was never meant literally to begin with. And so now we have our answer. It was all a metaphor. Jacob lives through his children. Their continuing history is his continuing life. And so their exile is his exile, their return, his return. Jacob is his children, and that is why he never dies. But if that's true, then the metaphor also works the other way. It also means that when Rachel comes back from the dead to pray for Jacob's children, 
She's actually praying for Jacob. When she cries to God to let the children of Israel return, she's also crying over her long lost husband, begging God to bring him back. Notice, by the way, that in both the story of Jacob never dying and the story of Rachel coming back from the dead, all of the proof texts are taken from the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is a book about the sorrow of exile. As Jeremiah is reread through these rabbinic stories, then, the exile of the children of Israel is also exile between two lovers who have never been fully reunited. And so their spirits hover in limbo, praying for their children to return to the homeland. And the story of the rest of the Torah will be a collective journey back to the homeland, to the land of Jacob and Rachel. Through the return of the children, somehow, the souls of the father and mother will find each other again. And so, as we move from the family story of Genesis to the national story of Exodus, we're not at all leaving our ancestors behind. We are instead beginning as a people to embody them, and so to keep them eternally alive. Let us wayward children return unto our borders. Let us bring Jacob, who has wandered so long, back home to his beloved. Best Book Ever was produced by Ben Cooley and edited by Vera Blossom, and our theme song is Pitrouli by Hillel Tigay. You can listen to more of his beautiful music on iTunes and Spotify. And while you're there, why not subscribe to Best Book Ever if you haven't already. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and our work, you can visit us at ecar.org and donate or Venmo us at ecarla. That's I-K-A-R-L-A. Thanks a lot and see you next week. Thank you.